0: Hello and welcome to the Folklore Podcast. I'm Mark Norman, folklore researcher and author. Just a quick reminder before we begin that, because we have so much great content lined up for you at the moment, we're going to be releasing an episode every week through this month of September. So make sure you keep an eye on our social media to see what comes out next. And remember, if we hit our next support goal on Patreon, which we're very close to now, we will be able to permanently increase the amount of free content we put out. Head on over to www.patreon.com slash thefolklorepodcast to help us get there, and access a whole back catalogue of extra content exclusive to supporters too. If you are a Patreon supporter, remember that you get discounts on every Folklore Podcast lecture as well. These are in-depth one-hour visual presentations via Zoom with expert speakers, followed by a Q&A session, and they're only £5, even before the discount. The next lecture is on Saturday the 19th of September, where Icy Sedgwick of the Fabulous Folklore podcast will be discussing spiritualism and the Victorian desire to talk to the dead. You can get more details and book a place at bit.ly slash lectures. We are also co-curating a massive online event called Rural Gothic at the end of September. I'll give you more details on that at the end of this episode. In the meantime, we continue with part two of our big recording session with our other folklore and mythology-themed podcast friends. In the last episode, you heard everyone's stories that they believed would win a vote on the best folklore story of the night. Here is our discussion and the final voting. Enjoy the episode. Everybody, you may now unmute yourselves. Would anybody like to come straight in and either... change their opinion from their own story to somebody else's, or defend what they had to say against anybody else's comments? Who wants to start the ball rolling?
1: Well, I just want to say I didn't think that anyone could pop swampy folk horror and then we get 16-year-olds drinking beer out of skulls and I think how can you pop that? And then uh, Patricia, Patricia Wilner she comes along and um, she just wipes it all off the table and wins, I love it
2: Lock up your sons <laughs>
1: Uh, can i just clarify
3: just for legal reasons the slaughtering that you referred to there that didn't happen he's fine she didn't even hit him according to her account of the story so. i
1: believe her i believe her
3: yeah but she but she would say that wouldn't she <laughs> it's a mysterious I mean- I like Spring Heeled Jack a lot, but I can't help but feel he's a, just a gritty reboot of the London Monster, who did exactly the same stuff but without the jumping a hundred years earlier in London. That's my challenge, to Icy. see?
4: Mind you, mind you, he wasn't—he didn't uh, vomit blue flames. He just vomited flames. So you know,
5: <laughs> and was he really? a demented gummy bear? Because that was the best bit for me. <laughs> he,
3: he, he well, he he. Uh, he, I, I, it's, I mean, let's be fair. These guys are just entertaining sex attackers. He had, um, <laughs> he had knives attached to his knees that he used to poke women in the bottom. That was what the London Monster did. Yeah, but don't we all do that? <laughs> oh, did I say that out loud? My <laughs> dash talking
6: in this. Is that, there's a that really long history throughout the Victorian era, um, and Georgian era for that matter, of people going out in elaborate costumes being ghosts. And, you know, Spring Hill Jack's part of that long tradition and i know in australia they're often taking a lot of effort to construct these elaborate costumes and creating almost like supervillain personas calling themselves the wizard bombardier or the ballarat ghost and they're obviously enthralled they're writing letters to the paper about you know you're never going to catch me and people are putting out bounties for the five pounds of the capture of any ghost in ballarat grounds and how much they how much the bounties Five pounds to capture a ghost in uh, the ground. Oh, of right. Life. I
4: was going to say, what, now? Five <laughs> quid doesn't seem
5: like much. You'd be a bit insulted, wouldn't you, if that was your bounty? I don't
4: know. I don't know. I'd take it. If, <laughs> yeah. if someone put a bounty on me for five quid, I'd, I'd turn myself in.
7: I <laughs> uh, thinking uh, like
6: uh, Herbert Patrick McLennan's outfit. He wore a skin-tight suit soaked in glow-in-the-dark paint, a long white frock coat. Paper mache mask, uh, hideous paper mache mask, to described it, and a white slouch hat with the feather in it, and apparently he'd jump off buildings and scare women, expose himself, and then run off the. Building. When he was arrested, he turned out to be a local clerk, uh, Herbert Patrick McLennan, and, uh, had his costuming, and he worked as an elocutionist. He was apparently quite renowned for having a very proper, received British accent.
1: I think,
0: nice. <laughs> I think if we can learn anything from these stories though david i think the, the main thing that we can take away that people at those times didn't is that uh phosphorescent paint is carcinogenic
4: i was going to say what were they using radium or something like that they probably were all just
6: mad but i love the whole you pretend to be a ghost in something that's going to kill you there's a certain irony to it i'd love to,
0: hear <laughs> you have to hurry
8: say. the process along somehow <laughs>
0: It's very true. I see. Do you want to do you want to defend your your spring heeled jack against Alistair's uh, uh, suggestion that it, it it's just a reworking of of another folkloric uh, monster from a hundred
6: years previously?
8: Yeah, but with so much more style. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's yeah, it's the breathing fire bit for me. Um,
4: Vomiting I mean, fire, I think you'll find.
8: Yeah, I mean, bearing in mind, I come from a place where a kid in my school once tried to blow out a Bunsen burner. So um, I'm obviously <laughs> going to be impressed by flames. Um, yeah, I just think that it's it's the fact that there's there's no evidence that you ever actually bounced anywhere because, like, somebody actually somebody tried to work out if you could make the shoes work and physics got in the way and no, because you'd shatter your ankles. And I'm like, don't ruin the story. And that's why I think the Penny Dreadfuls are so cool because they're, like realism, no, 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 we're just going to do our own thing. And then that's the bit that everybody repeats like it's true. And that's why I think he's, he's, he's got more literary flair, I think, than any of the ones that come before him. Well, and, uh, yeah, it's just awesome. And what, what do I like
6: reading those pity dreadfuls and going, I can do that, and making a costume and going out and imitating it. And I just think that's fantastic. You know, reading these yarns and going, yep, sure, off I go and... Doing their best to try and imitate the effect with um, theatre techniques and things from the period.
1: Definitely uh,
8: no one... fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> does no one else does no one
1: else do that? Because I'm I'm absolutely obsessed with the idea of floating along the um, the coasts of Cornwall in like full Edwardian garb and just screaming at National Trust walkers. That's that, that no was, was you. To do it.
8: <laughs> that was <laughs> you. Good. The thing, God, the truth is, is if I dressed up like that and was like going around Newcastle, I'm not 100 <laughs> percent sure how many people would really notice. Really? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. As, as a piece a of book.
0: folklore, though, as a piece of folklore, uh,
8: it, with it, to be fair,
0: it did travel, and this anti-hero side. Uh, did become essentially fan fiction. If you look at <laughs> Czechoslovakia, the Czech Spring Man, which is a very, very um, powerful image, ends up in comic books as a kind of Nazi
3: propaganda image. So, yeah, I'll, Oh, I'll, I'll, I, I liked him when he was just attacking women, but now I know he's a Nazi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <that's> just, <laughs> no, he's when it was the bomb and fire, out, It's all in good fun. But, hmm. <laughs> oh no, no, no!
0: He's an anti-Nazi, not a Nazi. Oh.
3: Oh well, then now I'm conflicted yeah. because he's <laughs> he's got good and bad. It's shades of grey. I'm warming yeah. to this guy.
4: Yeah. <laughs> he's multifaceted. I mean, that's what you want in a in a yeah. character, in a human, in a you know superhero. Surely, it three. surely it
0: can't be as simple as this, though, can it? Surely we can't just all go. Okay, I see. We can. You win. <laughs> 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 Anybody want to defend themselves against Spring Heeled Jack?
6: I was just going to throw in one of my favourite Spring Hill Jack imitators is this lady I came across in Ballarat. And she's going out at night, impersonating being a man. And when everyone, the way described it is when everyone was convinced that she's a man, she'd suddenly reveal herself to be a woman. And she was charged with indecent exposure, which gives me some idea of what she might have been doing. She goes to the Ararat uh, insane asylum, and when she comes out a year and a half later, and takes to dressing as a monster, Hiding under the Peel Street Bridge and jumping out and attacking people when they cross it See? with all white robes and masks. Yeah. You go, girl. <laughs> did she yes. vomit blue flames? No, she didn't vomit blue flames. She had a hideous pepper mache mask and she threw things at people and screamed at them. Nice.
7: It's <laughs> an honest living, isn't it?
6: <laughs> <laughs>
0: seems, seems reasonable. Um, yeah. Has anybody else got a strong contender amongst the field here as well? What do we think?
8: I do like the Mackenzie Poltergeist and it won't surprise any of you, I think, to hear that I have actually gone to see if anything happened next to the tomb and I, because I go like locked and loaded when I go places, I did take an EMF meter and it did nothing. So the the science like was not there for me that day, Um, but I, I just love all the stories and just yeah, the idea of a couple of teenagers, yeah. Drinking beer and being heavy metal—I like that. That yeah. was my—that actually was my favourite.
4: That was my actual favourite story, and um, the the drinking out of the skulls was a, a deal sealer for me because it um, reminded me of my favourite um, Incan chief who um, Pachacuti, who used to drink from their skulls and pull their teeth out. And...
1: That's exactly who they were replicating. Uh, I thought it was, was. <laughs> yeah. And apparently oh. i don 't know if you know but if you
3: drink w k d out of a skull <laughs> you vomit blue flame really
4: <laughs> but actually actually what it did remind me of is uh, is, is the story of um, of nostradamus who 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 predicted his own death, but he also said that um, if you if someone was to drink out of my skull you 'd get the same uh, powers as as me and um uh, hundred years, two hundred years after his death, uh, his his grave was dug up, and they pulled his skull out, and they drank from it, and they said that they actually saw when their death was going to be, and it happened straight away. As the uh, <laughs> they they both of them died of unexplained
5: poisoning. Mm-hmm.
8: Mm-hmm. a sterilize your skulls, man! Clearly, that's yeah. the, the moral of the story. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah, don't. Share. There's a lovely. Uh... A lovely Finn McCool story in Irish folklore of uh, Finn has a fool staying with him over the winter and he's a good friend, perhaps because the fool's the only person who will really make fun of him, the great Finn McCool. Um, But the fool sees this guy who's coming around and having a bit of fun with Finn's wife. So the guy who's coming around chops off the fool's head. Um, But, and takes him home, sticks him up on a pole, invites all his friends around for a feast and they're all having a great feast and having a good time and the fool says, just watching all this and just kind of putting up with it, like, oh, this isn't very good, but oh well. And um, But then he serves the fool's head, fed, head food last and then the fool thinks, no, that, that is it, that is it. this is ridiculous. I was a friend of Finn McGo, I lived with him and you're not serving me, the, you're serving me food last? I think that's great.
1: was fine. That bit yeah, is fine, <laughs> again, yeah, they, last.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, decapitation, I can live with that, but Jesus, come on.
1: I mean, if we're, if we're talking seven heads, I can bring it straight back to the on again, which is my Go nice on oh, yeah. map. Um, mm-hmm. At one point, Bran, the giant king of Britain, after his whole battle with Ireland, we won't get into that bit, um, he basically just has his head left, and there's only seven of his knights left. And I think they basically plant him in... <laughs> right in like the south of England to scare off the French. <laughs> <laughs> so anyone trying to invade England sees this great big giant head just staring at them. I love
2: it. A- yeah, yeah. I think he also entertained them with stories for 23 years Yeah. on that journey. They're
7: just a severed head.
3: Yeah, until, I love it. Uh, the, but the legend said he would do that until... They saw Cornwall, I think. Until they, then, yeah, until they they have to open Cornwall. a
7: door. They have to open this door and they're like, oh, should we open the door? No, let's just stay around with the head, tossing them between each other. And they played games with the head for 80 years. And they're like, we should Maybe. open that door. Don't open the door. Ah, oh. and then they open the door and then that's it's it. Cornwall. And then they're like,
1: oh, That's just Cornwall you know? for you. That's how everyone treats Cornwall. Because you. <laughs> should, should we open the door? <laughs> nah, let's not bother.
5: <laughs> Can we mix that in with the Incan chief and with the teenagers drinking out the skull?
1: Make a mega story. <laughs> I mean, yes. Dorset, Move <laughs> it over
3: to Dorset and Patricia Wilnecker should just turn
1: yeah. it on. <laughs>
3: Allegedly. Yeah. Love mind you, mind
4: you, Kuti <laughs> also used to make flutes out of their arms as well, so that was a nice touch.
0: <laughs> so what you're saying, you like- Alistair, what you're saying, Alistair, is that you'd like it in Dorset?
5: <laughs>
3: yes I, I would I bloody love the place it's so hard to do it's really sophisticated humor I have to say the <laughs> hoax factor appeals to me because or rather the mystery around whether Jeff the talking mongoose is a hoax because it's obviously a hoax on the face of it but you're absolutely right that it's very hard to see who benefits in that story it's very hard to see why there was a hoax nobody seemed to be enjoying it they weren't trying to sell the farmhouse as far as anyone could tell it seems to stop after the dad dies um even though and and there are cases of the voice being heard when every one of them who could have been doing it wasn't there and i guess i've seen i've seen a sample of the hair of jeff uh jeff the talking mongoose in the collection of harry price and it was tested and i think it's dog hair but the point is why 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 would you go to that Foster trouble?
1: That is,
0: that is the big question. Yes, yes you're right. The hair was Chopped. dog hair. They they also, uh, they'd um, taken prints in plasticine and sent those off to the Natural History Museum as well, um, who said, we can't identify these,
3: uh, presumably. The real villain here not. is the Natural <laughs> History Museum. <Was> <laughs> in, it's up again. Those footprints aren't real. Those footprints aren't real. Let us have our fun.
7: <laughs>
4: well, I, di- I did read... One of the reasons, one of the theories, is that uh, she did it for retweets. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you're absolutely I right,
7: think Alice. She uh, that, um, chocolate um, biscuits. Yeah. <laughs>
4: she
1: put a thing in her room with chocolate <laughs> yeah. biscuits. She like, "Hey, it's a mongoose." <laughs> <laughs> <chocolate biscuits>.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be fair my my kids do anything for chocolate biscuits so <laughs> <laughs> you're
0: absolutely right though alistair that there was nothing to gain from it and in fact they sold the farmhouse <clears throat> uh when james irving died um and they had to sell it at a loss because of its reputation for being haunted <laughs> so there was no gain to be had there at all
8: i you don't haven't think mentioned the...
0: oh sorry go on Gone sharp. But I
1: don't I don't think that we should discredit tiny little toads in velvet jackets and vampires frightened of rice though. I still feel like
8: those are yeah. good those
1: are good contenders. I feel like people. that's
8: good life advice though. Like we now know like <laughs> what to do if we come across like Will O' the Wisp or something. And I yeah. feel like a lot safer now. And that's not even me being sarcastic, it's like genuinely good like life tips that I never learned at school.
6: I'm the utility box. Carry
8: round a pocket full of rice, and
6: you're fine. Holly, do we know why the guys want to count rice? And secondly, is that the inspiration for the count from Sesame Street?
1: Yes, (laughs) I love that.
6: I thought that was just a pun on
2: count, but yeah, it seems it is actually based on folklore. (laughs) Loves to count.
0: I think somebody has genuinely asked that question yeah. of um, Sesame Street before. And, and the oh, will creator. you
8: have the count on the Folklore podcast?
0: I'd give it a go. <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to get my bagpuss interview out the way first, though. I, <laughs> until my bagpuss interview is done, I can't think about the count. Uh, so it's one, <laughs> one, one children's TV classic at a time. <laughs> ooh children the TV classics? <laughs> <laughs> in, in, terms of, in terms of folklore though what do we feel about the tale of many coloured Sam that's that's, oh, nuts. that's
2: nuts that I love
4: it I'm absolutely obsessed with it I, mean, I, I literally retraced the steps and I've spent weeks and weeks and weeks finally tracking the woman down who does, does, doesn't, doesn't want really to reveal a name more. or anything
3: is it patricia wilmecker because yes it is hang on you've you've tracked the woman
0: down and she doesn't want to reveal her name no she's not the host of the fairy folk
4: podcast Uh, it's all becoming clear but yeah she so she has agreed for me to go talk to her in two weeks time um and uh when i spoke to her well when i the our email exchange Um, She maintains absolutely that it's absolutely true. And she recounted the story to me. And when she recounted it, the the basics of the story were there. The thing that kind of made me think, uh, something really weird did happen, was the fact that um, the the salient points were, were the same, but she freely admitted she couldn't remember everything, just some things that were not traumatic, but really stand out things. And I, cause I've got the transcript of the, of, of the original story, you know, when, when it was reported and um, I felt like if it was something that she'd made up, she would kind of remember everything that she said, or she'd have, you know, those bits of reference. It, it just felt to me really something legitimate happened. Um, and I'm really obsessed with it. That, and as as holly knows i'm kind of obsessed with with a an isle of white folklorist um abraham elder who doesn't seem to exist at all um but has but has had this book out so there's these two things that i'm really obsessed with at the moment and i'm and I, thinking about them night and day
0: <laughs> okay i feel that we're going to have to move this on because we've past the uh, 90 minute mark and with the best will in the world we're never going to get this down to 20 for icy's podcast if she puts it out in one episode um before we move to voting does anybody want to throw in one last comment to support or or say anything about anything else that we've
7: heard and i just say that my people living in the strange swampland with all the terrors outside huddling in their homes it just feels very 2020 and i, I feel for that reason at least that it should be for consideration
4: I did, the you did actually to, think you were, you were <laughs> speaking about the last few months. Right?
3: See, see, it works perfectly. It's if a we're talking, If we're talking topical, then uh, I have to support my, my colleague, James, uh, his story about a, a man who is just clear, has clearly lied because he was late home to see his new wife time and time again, but has just had to double down and live the lie. Just, Just plow on ahead doing what he knows is the wrong thing, i too proud to admit it.
4: That could, that could be one of two people.
0: <laughs> okay, let's, let's not take that one any further. Uh, let's, we, we will move to voting. Okay, I'm going to come round all of you in turn, and uh, I'm going to ask you to uh, say which of the stories that we've heard this evening you would like to uh, nominate as your favourite just to remind you that you may not vote for yourself. Uh, and a very, very brief reason as to why you want to go with that story. And uh, let's see who comes out on top. So, Paul, Tales of Whitlaw, who, were you lo- who would you like to
4: choose? I, I'm, I'm going with uh, Drinking Out drinking of Skulls. That um, I love that. That was fab.
0: So that, that's uh, one for Bloody Mackenzie, the Edinburgh... Uh, uh,
4: and, and the reason the reason is is whenever i hear people talking about drinking from skulls i cannot for the life of me work out how you do it cuz it's going to come out the ear holes and the eyes and the nose. you wouldn't get a decent drink but you know
5: come I'm out thinking. to scotland for a drink man yeah yeah logistically <laughs> from <it's skulls>.
4: <laughs> i guess you'd
2: use it like a teapot with the nostrils as a spout
0: <laughs> uh, everyone's going to be going off to try and work this out and have a go later. On, I'm thinking.
4: I've, I've already ordered my um. I've already ordered a human skull from eBay. So uh,
0: Al's got one, one him behind. Him. Al's got one behind him there that he can use. I think. <laughs> i
6: drinking out of it. actually <laughs> can't refrigerate it either, so it's kind of a lost cause. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend who's actually got one made to drink out of, and they've basically you take off the top of the head and then there's this sort of hollow brain cavity in there and that's been was sealed with clay. And so you could drink out of that. Um, but it's an actual human skull. It's uh, dating back to the 1920s and it, yeah, you take off the top and you drink from the brain cavity um, with a sort of a clay sealed um, area to drink from. You want to get someone who's actually taken care to seal it with wax uh <laughs> and then maybe even a like c- kind of a scented wax to add another dimension
0: uh for, again for legal reasons i should just say on behalf oh. of anybody if you're going to try drinking from a human skull at home do sanitize first as we said earlier
7: <laughs> hygiene Lord,
0: is everything Happy birthday, boys. <laughs> <laughs> okay rick from law and legend who would you like to vote for
5: um, I'm going to vote for uh, Will of a Wisp through a pin's head that's my favourite piece of folklore this, this evening <laughs> Excellent Holly oh.
1: <laughs> I've got like five favourites I think I'm going to go for Springfield Jack just because I really like his style
0: Fair enough there's no better reason than that uh, Okay Graham, Tales of the British Isles
7: Who gets okay, your vote? Uh, I'm going to go for the parrot King Arthur, really. I absolutely love that one. and I just see him dressed up as a parrot in a kind of LGBTQ plus icon, really. And I love it. I think it's wonderful.
5: It obviously speaks for itself because I didn't actually speak at all in defense of it. <laughs> yeah, I,
7: I <laughs> does. It does. It absolutely holds up. King Arthur dressed as a parrot. I mean, I know you didn't say that bit, but yeah. <laughs> image in my head and I love it. Awesome.
0: David, who would you like to vote for?
7: So I was um,
6: really interested in the whole, both the Parrot story and the Mabinogian story because there's so many layers and layers of symbolism there and we only have fragments of what it actually meant to the people at the time who wrote it and why they wrote it and what it meant to them and I always found that you know, deeply fascinating. But in terms of what I'm going to vote for, I'm going to vote for Spring Hill Jack because it's, perm- it's a global. It has lasted centuries. I bought it at the local comic book store, you know, a current comic made about Spring Jack, it's still generating. And of course, you have the clown, scary clown panics so that are imitation of that same hoaxing process. You know, it's so mm. pervasive. I think just for that reason, I'm going to vote Spring Jack.
0: Very good. I see. Uh, you cannot vote for Spring Jack. So, who are you going to vote for?
8: I do love Nessie. I'm not going to lie. I've got a lot of love for Nessie, but I think I'm going to have to go for Bloody Mackenzie because he's the most heavy metal of all of them. <laughs> um, and like you know, normally I'm a lot more goth than this. Like this is me wearing colour. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to have to go for him.
0: Fair enough, James. Who would you like to choose? Um, I
2: uh, I do like the parrot a lot. I did. Lo- um... But, and oh, Sam of Many Colours, that story, I that could even be, I don't know if that's part of a spring Hill Jack, Scary Clown crossover, but I think it's the cars. It's got to be the cars and every single mythical beast that, that you can have. And just also a, a, a severed hand that pulls off people's hands.
3: <laughs> yeah. Why would he do that? It's a self-replenishing severed hand system, James. Yeah, yeah like a, a,
5: sp- a colony of spectral hands. Yeah. You
3: don't want to be <laughs> one
7: hand alone, do you? You want to wanna get together. get you well, at
2: least in a pair, I suppose.
7: Yeah, then you can wear gloves. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Daniel. I've got to go for the Mabinogian. Uh, I love it, old favourite. I've gone and wondered the parts of that story and it's the whole thing of can, can you just show me exactly how you can be killed with the think <laughs> standing on the goat here. <laughs> it's just great. Love it.
3: Perfect. Alistair, who gets your vote? Uh likewise I'm gonna go with the Mabinogion or that Mabinogi, um, because mm-hmm. it's like a 20-hour-long Monty Python film. Yes. Everybody's name is insane. <laughs> oh, sorry, Welsh. And <laughs> it's very entertaining.
0: <laughs> Al, uh, what appeals to Bone and Sickle?
6: Well, I can't vote for anything Welsh because I can't pronounce it.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
6: um, I, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote for The Sand of Many Colours, but I'm going to advise Paul to leave a contact with someone before you do that interview. <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried. I'm worried. Yeah.
4: I was going to say, if you never hear from me again, then. <laughs> well, we want at least, we we least
0: know it's court. genuine if that's the case.
4: Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, she's,
4: she was genuinely mad. <laughs> well, that's also true. Sean,
0: what do you reckon?
1: Patricia. My icon, my hero, Patricia. Okay. <laughs> Patricia.
0: okay one for Patricia Wilnecker you're just scared of the consequences if you don't vote for her
1: no I just love her I just like want to be her to be honest
4: <laughs> I'm not sure that you're not <laughs>
1: <laughs> give me a few decades so.
0: fairy folk podcast who gets your vote
1: oh it's a tricky one <laughs> um, but I think I'm going to vote for the Mackenzie Poltergeist because um, I also remember being told that tale when I was in Greyfriars Kirkyard and that was spooky then but I thought Daniel's retelling was particularly spine chilling so I'm gonna have to go for that.
0: Lovely thank you very much that leaves one vote remaining which is mine and for me purely from the air of mystery that it creates and and, and because I think that it has every part of the essence of a good piece of folklore. I'm going to go with the tale of Many Coloured Sam as well, uh, because it just, it asks more questions than it answers, and I Mm. think that's the kind of folklore that leads to some great conversations like the one that we've had tonight. So, uh, the voting is cast, and by a margin of just one single little vote, Uh, Our winning story is Bloody Mackenzie, the Edinburgh poltergeist. (laughs) Daniel from the House of Legends (laughs) podcast. Um, You you are the victor of of this little coming together (laughs) of podcasts. Congratulations. Uh, Just like the Eurovision Song Contest... The next time we do this, you have to host it.
5: Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, thanks very much, everyone.
0: Ah, thank you. And, and thank you to everybody. I mean, there are no winners or losers uh, when we get together to tell <laughs> these sorts of stories, I don't think. We've heard some fantastic tales tonight, some of them very, very well-known. Spring-Heeled Jack, uh, the Mabinogian, uh, Bloody Mackenzie, uh, and definitely the Loch Ness Monster from the Fairy Folk mm-hmm. podcast. They're all well known, they're all great stories. And then we've heard things like the Night of the Parrot and the Tale of uh, Any Coloured Sam, which are not so well known, but, uh, but certainly bring uh, some intrigue and some need for further investigation, which is what it's all about. So uh, thank you all very much for coming together uh, and doing this uh, recording. There's certainly been a lot of interest uh, from people uh, on social media that we were doing this i think it's been a great opportunity to to put folklore firmly in the spotlight for all the right reasons um without having to release an album to do so uh, so <laughs> <laughs> so um That's thank nice. you thank you all for taking the time uh on behalf of all of you i will just say to everybody that i hope you enjoyed listening uh, and i will leave a short gap where you can all make an edit point to round off this in the way that you would like to do so in your own individual podcasts. Thank you all very much. I hope you enjoyed this coming together of podcasts. It took a lot of organising, but it was great fun to record, and we do hope to do another sometime in the future. Going to wrap this episode up with some music again in a moment, because we haven't done that for a while. In the meantime, I told you earlier about a big event called Rural Gothic which is coming up at the end of September. This takes place over the weekend of September the 28th and 29th, and features 10 presentations over two days via Zoom. A ticket is just £10, and that gets you access to absolutely everything. We have Rich Blackett discussing werewolves, Al Ridenour from Bone & Sickle Podcast discussing foreign language folk horror films, Dr. Romany Regan on rituals and folklore in cemeteries, Hermetic Arts with a brand new film presentation and a whole load more. Follow our Facebook or Twitter and you'll find all the details. You can also book and find out more by visiting bit.ly slash ruralgothic. Please be aware that this event is proving extremely popular and half the ticket allocation has already gone so do visit soon if you don't want to miss out. Next week, we'll be looking at Appalachian folklore with my guests Asher Elbine and Tiffany Churrell, the author and illustrator of the book Ghost Days. In the meantime, to play us out today, here is the band Strange Folk with a track called Under the Sun. You can find links to their work on our website on the page for this episode. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Oh,